Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Dana Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Boom. This is Bill Murphy of Sci-Fi Channel's Fact or Fake Paranormal Files, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hey everybody, this is Rex Williams, the medic from Destination Truth, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. This is True TV's haunting evidence investigator, Patrick Burns. And ghost huntress author, Marley Gibson. And And you're you're listening listening to ghost host, host, Sophia Temporelli. And Michael Perry. And we're here... Hello, we're here at the Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli and Weekly Paranormal. Weekly, weekly at LiveParanormal.com. <laughs> this is Stefan Brigatti from Pacific Coast Paranormal, and you're listening to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. She rocks. This is Christopher Sanders with My Ghost Story on Biography. You are listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. This is author Alexandra Holzer, and you're listening to Ghost Host Sophia Temporelli. Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30 Odd Minutes, founder of GhostVillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite paranormal books, and you're listening to the Ghost Host Sophia on LiveParanormal.com. Boo! This is Nick Groff, executive producer of Ghost Adventures, the original documentary in Ghost Adventures, season 1 through 10, and executive producer of Ghost Stalkers, author of Chasing Spirits, the building of the Ghost Adventures crew, and founder of NickGroffTours.com. You are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Tune in. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. That's right, it's the ghost host show with Sophia Temporilli on LiveParanormal.com. Feel free to call into the show, 347-202-0316. That's 347-202-0316 as well. Feel free to jump into the LiveParanormal.com chat room. It only takes a second to get an avatar and you're part of the LP family. And thank you, Rob Sirk, the site founder, for providing this format each and every week and to all of our moderators. Thank you guys for patching us through at live events when we had no internet feed through the years. Thank you guys. And congratulations, Sophia, on celebrating over 12 years of uh, broadcasting here on LiveParanormal.com and now added GhostHunting.com so you can listen at either place and now on Spreaker too is now available and also wherever you get your podcast. Happy New Year everybody. Uh, today we welcome ghost tour host, author, teacher, storyteller, and songwriter Robert Oaks. Everyone visit robertoaks.net. That's robertoaks.net. Instagram at Robert Oaks Writer. YouTube search Robert Oaks. Robert Oaks titles uh, the ghosts of 
the Berkshires and the ghostly tales of the Berkshires, uh, ghosts of Northwestern New Jersey, available through Amazon.com. Upcoming, we have Texas Ghost Seekers team founder and Claire audience Alex Fountain will be on the program next weekend, the 13th. Uh, Weird New Jersey contributor and paranormal investigator Jim Terrace returns to the show on the 20th. You don't want to miss any of these upcoming broadcasts, so like the ghost host Sophia Temporelli on LifeParanormal.com Facebook fan page to learn of the guests as we learn of them real time. We have other guests that are uh, securing their guest spots too. Uh, check out the membership packages here on Live Paranormal. They start as well as $2.99 a month. And Rob Sarek, he's great at rewarding the uh, members here on Live Paranormal. So a lot of books by some of your favorite paranormal authors, all autographed. And also check out the vendors here on Live Paranormal. And tonight, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, Beyond the Screen and Ghost Light Radio, as well as monthly Mondays right here. Chip Coffee of A&E's Paranormal State, Psychic Kids, and Kindred Spirits. He's here as well as Ben Hansen, Amy Goodwin, David M. Roundtree, Stefan Brigatti, Andy and Michelle Coppock, Ken Gearhart, and many more on this very network. If you miss anything, free archived MP4 iTunes downloads are available on the homepage of Live Paranormal immediately following the broadcast. Let's bring on the host here. Sophia, congratulations on over 12 years of broadcasting here on LiveParanormal.com and uh, also to on GhostHunting.com. Thank you. I can't believe it's already been over 12 years. Well, you're doing a fantastic job, Sophie. You've helped a lot of people through the years, a lot of families with experiences and things. you got all these pages, uh, the Instagram and stuff. Where can people find you? I'm on Instagram, at Sophia Temporelli, and Twitter, at Sophia Temporelli with one L, because my name's too long. Yeah, we cursed you with a really long name. Good thing your middle name's not in there, too, as well. Well, tell us about your guest, Sophia. Today, we welcome Ghost Tour host, author, and storyteller, Robert Oaks. Everyone visit robertoaks.net, Instagram, at Robert Oaks Writer, YouTube, Robert Oaks, and you can check out his books, Ghost of the Berkshires, The Ghostly Tales of the Berkshires, and Ghost of Northwestern New Jersey, available on Amazon.com. Let's welcome Robert into the show. Well, Robert, thank there. you so much for coming on today. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be uh, to be a part of it. Well, wow, thank honor. you so much for coming on. Um, you do such interesting work within the paranormal. Um, I mean, you go to some really cool locations. Uh, can you tell the audience what initially sparked this interest for the paranormal? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I always say that the ghosts found me um, because mm-hmm. uh, what, what happened was I uh, lived in uh, western Massachusetts in uh, Berkshire County, um, and I was aware of this of the Mount, uh, which was the, the home of, of author Edith Wharton. And I had heard some stories about it being haunted. Um, I very innocently answered an ad. Uh, they were looking for some tour guides to help out at the end of their fall season one year. I went there and, and applied and just became a tour guide. And it was that season that they began offering um, their ghost tours. And they, they began to sort of uh, tell, uh, sort of really make a thing out of all of the reports that have been, uh, you know, filed at the Mount over the years. I went on a ghost tour, and I became completely drawn in by it. I was pretty pretty affected, actually, by the tour. It kind of knocked me literally on the floor at one point just by how much um, I could feel about the place, um, the, the, between the stories that they told, the, the, the experiences that people have had, the things that I was feeling while I was on the tour, um, and it really drew me in. I became fascinated with, like, how did this affect me this way, and what is it about this place 
and the, and why does why do so many people have stories about this place uh, that I became kind of fascinated with it and I began to look you know all, become more involved with the ghost tours and over the years um, be, that became sort of my main job there was leading the tours and sharing those reports mm-hmm. with other people and then that sort of led to an opportunity to write a book about uh, the different haunted locations in Berkshire County. Yeah, I mean, I had pretty recently done some, you know, research on the mail, and it really is amazing. I, it's such a big house, um, such a mansion, and, you know, just the different, you know, ways that the mountain has kind of changed. Wasn't it a school at one point as well? Yeah, the mountain was built in the early 1900s, and it was the home of Edith Wharton, who's the, the Pulitzer Prize-winning author, wrote Age of Innocence, House of Mirth, um, Ethan Frome. She only lived there for about 10 years. And then after that, it went through a couple of private owners um, who lived in it for a period of time. Then it became um, a girls' boarding school called Fox Hollow School for Girls for about 40 years. Um, and then in the 1970s, it changed hands again and became um, the home of a local theater group called Shakespeare and Company, who were there for about mm-hmm. 30 years before, or 20 years or so before then it became a, a house museum, which it is today. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. In your personal opinion, um, what do you think is kind of, obviously went through being a school for girls and then a theater company, do you think that there's a specific spirit that haunts it from any of those time periods, like maybe the ghosts of any of those girls or residual energy like that? Well, it's interesting, you know, because people assume Edith Wharton must be one of the ghosts haunting the house, right? And I think that's really only because she's probably the most famous person that lived there. I actually don't think she haunts the house. If anything, um, mm-hmm. the, the more likely um, presence would be um, her husband, Teddy Wharton, who um, unfortunately was afflicted with some pretty severe mental illness while he was there, became, I think, very attached to the place and was pretty upset about the breakup of their marriage and the sale of the property. And I think there's probably more reason to assume that um, his spirit would remain attached to it than hers. But over the years, there have been so many reports, so many different kinds of entities and personalities. They talk about a spirit haunting the stable named Charles, who was believed to be um, Edith Wharton's chauffeur. They talk about um, a, a cook in the kitchen uh, haunting you know, one of her servants who haunts the kitchen. Um, but there are other entities that uh, that are reported that don't seem to be human at all. They don't. They seem to be kind of elemental spirits and energies. Um, there's actually such a, a wide variety of reports and experiences. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it really is incredible that you got your first experience there. I know when I started in the paranormal, my first. Um, investigation and ghost experience, well, at least that I could remember, was on the Queen Mary. So I feel like starting mm. out at Edith Wharton's house is kind of similar when you just have this really big and awesome location to kind of just yeah. dive in the deep end. Yeah, exactly. That's what it felt like. And that, I literally, I remember that after that first ghost tour, sitting on the floor. <laughs> I was just, you know, it just hit me so hard, the whole experience. And honestly, I spent a long time after that sort of trying to understand what what this was. You know, I, I wasn't I'm not entirely sure, you know, I wasn't entirely sure about it being even ghosts. It's just something about mm-hmm. the presence of the place hit me pretty hard. And I think a, a lot of times I kind of approach these experiences with that 
sort of questioning mind of like, wait, what is this? Are these, is this a ghost? Is this, what is this experience I'm picking? Am I somehow feeling the, the energy of the, 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 the sort of traumatic and troubling experiences that people had while they were living here at the, you know, all those years ago, or, you know, it's, it's, it remains kind of an unknown for me and I don't always know what it is, but I, I feel a strong uh, presence there for sure. Absolutely. And I feel like I read somewhere, too, um, with Edith Wharton that she actually may have had experiences when she was younger, even before her time at uh, um, some paranormal experiences that inspired her writing. Yeah, her sto- her own story was part of what really captivated me, like got me really hooked because, you know, I was an English major in college. I studied Edith Wharton. I studied mm-hmm. House of Mirth and Age of Innocence and her, her, her you know, best-known novels. They never told me. Um, that she had, that she wrote ghost stories, that she was fascinated by and phobic about ghosts and ghost stories. Like that was just something that many people don't even know about Wharton because she's best known for writing these kind of society novels about the lives of the very wealthy world, you know, people that she knew in her world. Um, This whole idea that she would be a ghost story writer, I think she was something that she was always a little bit cagey about in her own life because I don't know that she was ever totally comfortable with coming out about it, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, especially because she was so phobic about it. Um, but the story that, that is, she wrote about herself in her, in her, um, some of her writings, when she was nine years old, she contracted typhoid and became very, very sick. She was on the road to recovery. She was almost back to full health, and she read a ghost story. She then Mm -hmm. suffered a relapse of the typhoid. She became very, very sick again. She later recalled that after she read this story, she felt that she had been plunged into a world haunted by formless horrors. She had this feeling that something that she called a dark and indefinable menace was forever following her was like walking behind her wherever she went she had this feeling that if she didn't get in a door fast enough this whatever this was would reach up behind her and grab her Um, Mm -hmm. and she was terrified of the story because she believed that the story is what did this to her that something about reading this ghost story affected her in this way that she began to have these experiences and feel that her world had changed that you know that that these sort of shadowy things were following her. And um, it wasn't until her later 20s that she seemed to get past this. She, um, until that time, she was so phobic about ghost stories that if she knew there was a book of ghost stories in the house, she had to have the book thrown into the fire or she couldn't sleep at night. That's what she said. So, wow. She believed that, I think what she wrote was that she had such a, sensitive nature that Mm -hmm. the story impacted her so deeply, you know, that it was like she couldn't really take it. Um, And, and, and so she had to be kind of careful about what she read because it affected her so much. But what's so interesting about Wharton is instead of staying away from these stories, at some point she decided to write her own ghost stories. It was like, Mm -hmm. she was saying this thing that I'm so afraid of that I'm, that it's affecting me this way. I'm going to learn how to face this and I'm going to learn how to do this myself and began to write her own ghost stories, which I think is pretty remarkable. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, this one thing I always say about the paranormal, I mean, I had experiences when I was a child, but even if I wanted to leave the paranormal today, it's going to always be with me. It's just, you know, it's just something that happened in my life. And no matter if I wanted to just leave the paranormal and go be a normal person, I mean, those experiences stay with you. And I think that's probably what she realized as well. But I think it's so fascinating. Um, And I'm sure you feel the same way as an English major, just the lives of the people that wrote these great stories. um, You know, they're so fascinating in and of themselves. Um, And I just think it's really remarkable that they created all these things that are world-renowned and known everywhere, but their lives are just as fascinating. Absolutely. And I think that it was when I started at the Mount that I really began to appreciate what she was doing as an author, as a, as a woman. The world that she was living in was very confining, and um, there were very strict rules about what women could do, about what, uh, you know, about how one conducts oneself. And, and this idea of, of writing novels and, and being a creative artist that she was, um, was pretty much unheard of. Um, and it was not encouraged, I think, um, and I think that she had to um, sort of overcome some of those limitations and those restrictions she had on her life, but she had to kind of walk this fine line because she never really left it entirely, that world that she was, she was raised in. Um, but at the same time, she's writing these things that are kind of, you know, scandalizing the people that she knew and the world that she was a part of. Um, and, and she's taking these things that are so fearful to her and are so troubling to her, and she's kind of churning them into um, uh, into stories, into a creative, into her creative output. And so, when you stand there in her bedroom, um, and you know a little bit about the marital troubles that they were having at the end of their life, and how she was, I think, concerned about her husband's mental breakdown, and his room is right next door to hers, and she's in there mm-hmm. with all the doors locked, and she's writing, you know, stories about you know, these, uh, these, these shadowy, fearful things. And the, um, and, uh, in, in the case of Ethan Frome about, you know, marital problems and all this stuff, I mean, she's living it and she's turning it into, you know, her, her, her writing, um, as a way to kind of cope with it and get through it. I think that's pretty remarkable. And you feel that when you're there, like you can feel the reality of it. You can feel that room's right here. This is where he must've been banging on the door that time they had that terrible fight and, He's in here trying to get sanctuary. You know, you can feel all of that still resonating in the place. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it is just really incredible, just the story of it all, and that you, like I said, started your experiences there, and from there grew. Um, after your initial experience at the Mount, you have since written books. Um, please tell the audience about each of your books, too. Yeah, so what happened was um, – the, after I was doing the ghost tours at the Mount for uh, some years, um, I was approached about the opportunity to write a book about Berkshire County, um, which is the area of Massachusetts where the Mount is. And um, that was, I was very excited. I jumped at that chance because it was an opportunity for me to kind of take what I've been doing at the Mount, archiving the stories, sharing people's reports, people's experiences, learning about the history of the place and, um, and then going out to all of these other locations throughout Berkshire County to find out what it is about these places that has inspired so many of these, in some cases, similar reports, in some cases, very different reports. What is it about these locations that give them that sense of presence um, that many people have felt over the years and have shared either reports or 
stories that they've told about the places and um, just kind of catalog them and archive them and write a little bit about them. It gave me the chance to go to these places and feel them myself to see what experiences I could have. And it gave me the chance to talk to people about their experiences. And um, well, mm-hmm. one of the things that I loved about what was happening there was um, when people found out that I was working on this book about ghosts in the Berkshires, people would approach me and be like, you know, I have a story for you, you know, and they'd start to tell me about something their grandmother once saw or, you know, something that they felt when they were young and um, that kind of thing. And um, I was, uh, it's something that I've always experienced doing these ghost tours and writing these books is that um, I, I, it's such a, it's such a wonderful thing when people feel that they can share these experiences with you because very often people, you know, they have them, but they don't necessarily talk about them. Um, so it was great to kind of start to chronicle those. Um, mm-hmm. That led to, uh, I actually thought it would be wonderful for me because I'm a transplant to the Berkshires. I'm originally from North Jersey. So I thought it would be cool for me to go back to where I'm from. I had lived away from New Jersey at that point for about 20 years and uh, do the same thing down there. You know, look for the locations, talk to people about their experiences, find out what the, what the lore is. And, and travel around and, and, and write about those experiences. Um, and so that led to Ghosts of Northwestern New Jersey, which is, I'm now currently on, in the process of writing Northeastern New Jersey. Um, so, and then later on, the publisher approached me about doing a young reader's version of the uh, Berkshire book. Um, so that's, uh, that's what Ghostly Tales of the Berkshires is. It's a, it's a version, it's kind of an adaptation of Ghosts of the Berkshires. It's written for kind of middle grade readers, um, and it is illustrated by uh, by my wife, Kate. Well, that's really exciting that you got to work on that with your wife, but also um, just go back to your hometown, too, and kind of explore the hauntings there. Through your time talking with people about their experiences or, you know, a family member's experience, what was the most interesting story that you were able to listen to? In New Jersey or just in general? Just in general, your favorite story. My favorite story. This one comes to mind um, where and in, um, in New Jersey, there's a place that probably you've heard of and your listeners too, is um, the uh, Sterling Hill Mining Museum in Ogdensburg. Mm-hmm. And um, it, is, um, it had been a, a zinc mine, and uh, now it's uh, only open as a museum. And um, it was one of those places that came on my radar pretty early on. It's it's become very well known as a haunted location. And I reached out to the president of the museum, and uh, he agreed to meet with me. Uh, what was funny about that meeting, though, was that um, when I, as soon as I sat down with him, he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm a scientist, and I don't believe in any of this. <laughs> and I thought... I guess the interview is over. You know, I didn't really know where <laughs> yeah. this was going. And then he followed it up with, but I have experienced things here that are beyond belief. And I was like, okay, this is really interesting now because I love the fact that he started that way, that he started with this, this question of belief. I mean, it's actually something that I talk about all the time when I lead my ghost tours. I always lead off with the question, do you believe in ghosts? Which was something that Edith Wharton herself asked and had this kind of 
tongue-in-cheek response to, I don't believe in ghosts, but I'm afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And she is talking about how the experience of a ghost is something that goes beyond belief. It's something that isn't something we think about or rationalize. It's something we feel or intuit. And, um, and so when this man was saying that to me, I was like, wow, we are in that same space. We're talking about that same thing right now, that this is an experience that even somebody who is, is dedicated his life to science and, you know, lot, sort of that, that, that approach to everything um, will unequivocally say is, is real and it's happening and he's, he's experienced it, but not through thinking about it, not through testing it, but through feeling it. And he invited me to go into the mind, which was the only way you could feel it, right? You have to actually go in mm-hmm. and experience it. You can't be talking about it or reading about it or thinking about it. You got to get in there and feel it. And so I did, I, I, you know, and I had that experience. I had an experience there. Um, and it's one of those experiences that you can't explain. It doesn't make sense. I was hearing sounds from below. I know that all of the shafts below are filled with water. I know that there's no reason why I should have heard anything, but nevertheless, there were those sounds, you know. Um, you leave that space and you think, I don't know what that was, but I felt something, I heard something, I sensed something, and now I understand something about this place um, through having had the experience. Um, and there were other things too. This uh, The man that he... Uh, he told me about this man called John uh, Kolick, who had devoted his life to the mine. He worked there for many years, and then mm-hmm. he um, became a guide at the museum, and he was part of uh, preserving the place after they had um, begun to fill it with, with water. And he was so devoted to the place that when he passed away, they, they made a shrine to him there. And um, I hadn't really read much about this man before going there. I hadn't heard much about him, but once I was there it felt to me like, oh, my God, this man is here. This man is here. I could feel that he's here watching over this place. And, again, that was something that I couldn't really feel or know about until I was standing there feeling it, you know. Absolutely. I and mean, so, that's always amazing when you hear that. Um, like you said, it, it transcended his beliefs. Yes. And I, I understand that because I've often approached these things with that same kind of mindset where – I'm being skeptical and I'm thinking it through and I'm, you know, I'm not sure. And it could just be this and it could just be that, you know, my, mm-hmm. that part of my mind is always going. And I actually think that's okay. I think that that's part of what we are. Um, and it's part of how we approach life and any phenomenon that we experience. Um, but I, I feel, and the same thing happened to me at the Mount where I felt like there was always this invitation to step aside from that a little bit and feel something, go deep, intuit it, imagine it, feel it somewhere down inside of you instead of thinking about it. And I think that's what these experiences offer us is the invitation to go there. Um, It's what I try to do when I do my ghost tours. I try to encourage people to go to that place themselves, um, to intuit, to feel, to sense with some other sense than the one that we often will approach life with um, in our day-to-day lives. And um, when we do that, interesting things happen. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's amazing how far back it goes to, like you said, Edith Wharton was dealing with this, but this is also a modern day issue. People trying to 
you know, figure out what ghosts are, how they came to be, and, you know, trying to rationalize it away, but realizing, you know, maybe there is something more out there that I just can't explain. Yes, and I think that it's okay that we don't know. I think the mystery mm-hmm. is, I mean, for me, the mystery is, is a huge part of it, is, the, is just the, the awareness that there are, there are experiences that we can't really know in, in that way, in that usual way. And just be aware of that. Just be alive in that. I, I, I think that's a, a generally a good way to approach things. <laughs> yeah, and it's also, I mean, so good to go in with skepticism, like you say. So, sure. if, you know, something happens, you don't just like think, oh, okay, this is automatically a ghost. But when you really can't explain it, it makes it so much greater than you know anything you could imagine when you do go in there with skepticism. Yeah. And, and I, one of the things, I remember doing a ghost tour at the Mount with a group of mm-hmm. scientists uh, who had gone, they were like, they all worked together at this one company in the Berkshires, and they, um, they were coming on like a kind of a group, uh, whatever you team building kind of thing, you know, and they all decided to come yeah. for a ghost tour. And um, they told me right at the beginning, they said, you know, we, we don't believe in ghosts and we don't think any of this is real and we just want you to know that we're going to debunk everything you say. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. that's nice. <laughs> um, I said, but you know what, just um, I'm not trying to convince you of anything, and, I, and I'm not. I, I really don't try to sort of prove anything to anyone. I really just try to encourage experience and, by mm-hmm. listening to stories and, and feeling the, the, a place out, just kind of getting a sense for the place and just see what happens. So I said that to them, and, and we went on the tour. And sure enough, at the beginning, it was like everything I was saying, they were like, well, you know, if you just do this, you could do, you know, and they were trying to debunk everything. And, but by the end of the tour, they, they got pretty quiet. And then one of the, a couple of them approached me after the tour, and they were like, you know what? I don't really know if I know what's going on here, but there's something about this place. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, yep, that's good. That's fine. <laughs> that's all right. Well, you know, I don't need you to believe in ghosts. Just that you feel that there's yeah. something here, a presence of something, or some up, kind of thing. Nothing builds up a team like throwing people in a haunted location. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is amazing, though. Um, I know we have to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with more questions. The Ghost Host Show is Sophia Temporally on LiveParanormal.com. Today, our guest, ghost uh, tour host, author, teacher, storyteller, and songwriter, Robert Oaks. Everyone visit robertoaks.net, Instagram at Robert Oaks Writer, YouTube search Robert Oaks, uh, Robert Oaks titled Ghost of the Berkshires, uh, the, the Ghostly Tales of the Berkshires, and Ghosts of Northwestern New Jersey are available through Amazon.com. As Robert mentioned, he's currently writing Ghosts of the Northeastern Berkshires, so visit robertoaks.net. The Ghost of a Show on uh, LifeParanormal.com. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dustin Perry, the Paranormal Rockstar, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with the most, Sophia Temporelli, only on LifeParanormal.com. Joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. 
from paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. Not only am I Dave Schrader, but I'm Dave Schrader of Travel Channel's The Holzer Files, and you're listening to <laughs> Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I feel left out. I wanted to throw myself into your mix of, of voiceovers now. I love it. You know, uh, it's almost like we didn't leave break. It's the Ghost of the Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I'm meeting everybody now. Um, yeah, feel free to call in, 347-202-0316. That's 347-202-0316 for the late edition of the show. There's Mallory Knox is in the chat room. I'm thinking that sounds familiar. That's one of the natural-born killers. So that's uh, if you have any questions in the chat room, make sure that they're all caps and we can get them into the show. And Robert and Sophia, you're back on. All Thank right. you so much again for having me on today, Robert. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. So I know in the paranormal, it's a lot to sift through. I mean, not only evidence, but, I mean, researching locations. And with you writing books, and especially on such historical locations such as the Mount, what is your process for researching the locations you're going to write about? I mean, it does depend on the location. Uh, you know, because in some cases you have very, very, like I'm interested in very old stories as well as recent mm-hmm. experiences and reports. Part of the reason why I love old stories is because the places themselves very often are ghosts, right? They don't, they don't like I found this a lot in New Jersey, the, the places don't exist anymore. And all that we have yeah. are these stories about places that aren't there that you can't even find. But these echoes come to us from, you know, from far away, from far away in history these voices, you know, and these experiences from long ago. So sometimes it's a dive into the newspaper archives to dig up some really old, uh, you know, reports and stories about different locations. Sometimes it's, uh, there's lots of other books that have been written or blogs or articles. You just kind of look around to see what the buzz is, like where are the places that seem to get the most attention um, just to, as a beginning to kind of like get a lead on a, on a particular place. But for me, the gold standard always is um, go there, go there, mm-hmm. see it, you know, and hopefully have an experience, talk to people, you know, find out what people themselves have experienced. Um, but there's nothing like having an experience of your own. And sometimes it's not maybe what you set out to look for. Like you don't always find a ghost, right? Um, but in the process of searching for a ghost or seeking the story, um, some really fascinating and you know things can come together in really interesting ways that kind of lead you on a journey. So I love that. I love just kind of diving in and and just you know going on that on that journey looking for the ghost. Uh, I mean, there was absolutely. This one... Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say. I mean, when you dig around and talk to people, I feel like you find so much information that you can't find in a library or 
you know, yeah. online, like you said, I mean, the stories from the people, whether it's passed down from their family member or something they experienced firsthand, you really find out so much you would have never expected. You would never have known. And that's, and you can't, you can't replace that. So there was this one place in the Berkshires called the Knox Trail Inn. Great historic mm-hmm. old inn that's connected to the look, to the sort of the history of uh, Henry Knox and his is during the Revolutionary War, dragging cannons across from Ticonderoga off to Boston to defeat the British. And uh, so this place is kind of tied into that lore and that history. Um, and you can find online, you can find stories written about it, articles in different places, books and so forth. And I did some of that, but I was like, there's, there's more to this story. Like there's gotta be. And so I just went there one day. I wasn't announced. I didn't call anyone. I just showed up and went into the bar. Mm-hmm. It's now mostly a, a bar. They used to have like rooms upstairs where you could sleep, uh, but now it's just the bar downstairs and the rooms upstairs are empty. And I just basically walked in and said, can anyone here tell me about your ghosts? <laughs> you know? And as it happened, I, I did not plan this, but the family who owned the place from the late 70s until the later 80s were there having a family reunion after years of not being there, right? They just happened to be mm-hmm. gathering there for this family reunion. And they were like, well, you have some time, you know? And they sat me down and they proceeded to tell me all of these experiences that they'd had while living there. They then took me upstairs and showed me the rooms where it happened and like pointed out different locations and, and different experiences that they'd had. They gave me the phone number of their mother who wasn't there, but she was out in California or somewhere I could call her and get her stories. Now, I could not have planned that. I could not have hoped for a better, you know, w- you know, way, you know, way to, 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 to sort of get the experiences by just happening to run into people mm-hmm. who, who lived there and had so many experiences. Um, so that was really wonderful. And that's the kind of thing that, like, you can't really plan. Um, you you kind of just have to throw yourself in and uh, and be led to those experiences. Absolutely. Um, I had that once on the Queen Mary. I was talking to the ship's captain, and we were talking about deaths on the ship, and I found out about one in the pool area that I had never found out about. Um, because, you know, as the ship's captain, he has to know everything, even if it happened forever ago. And so it's just interesting all the stories, you know, that you may never have heard of until you actually talk to someone who – you know, live there or experience it or has to know everything absolutely. about the location. Absolutely. And I think that that is, that is absolutely something that needs to be preserved. When I was working on the New Jersey book, um, I got, I got, uh, came across the writings of this man named Henry Charlton Beck, who was a, um, a folklorist and a Episcopal priest who lived in New Jersey. He was from New Jersey and he, he lived there uh, he, and wrote about the lore of New Jersey for decades. Um, and it used to be published in the New York times, um, his pieces and his books have been put together and published by the Rutgers. And I just stumbled on his writings and I was so happy to come across these things because he preserved in his writings, so many of these old stories, uh, he would go around himself and just talk to people and write down the things they said in their own voice, like in their own words. And it's not the kind of stuff you're going to find in most history books. It's the kind of stuff mm-hmm. that can really only be gathered by going to talk to people and like being very faithful about just writing down what they say. And, you know, very often you get from people those kinds of experiences that tend to get like weeded out from the history books. 
but people have them. You know, people have these experiences. They have these stories to tell. Um, and you, you need to go and talk to them in order to hear them uh, often. Absolutely. Um, I just think it's really amazing what you do preserving that um, with the paranormal in mind, um, because I really do. I think it's so fascinating just the history and the paranormal and how far back it goes. I mean, during Victorian times, you know, people had such an interest in ghost stories, and I think being yes. able to preserve that through time is really fascinating and amazing. Yeah, the Victorians were – I've been lately doing this thing about Victorian ghost stories. Um, I've been sort of reading ghost stories at Christmas time. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I should say Victorian ghost stories at Christmas time, and um, because that was a huge um, – that was very popular in the 19th century. They they love telling ghost stories at Christmas time, and uh, uh, it's great to bring that tradition back. I mean, not only because it involves ghosts, but also because it involves people sitting together and sharing stories, uh, which we I think we desperately need more of today because so much of our experience is so solitary and online. You know. Absolutely. Um- with all the cool locations that you've been to, where is one location, if you could go anywhere in the world, that you would love to research and investigate? Oh, that's a really good question. Huh. I mean, there there was a place that I was at a couple summers ago. I spent a summer at um, in England at Oxford, and I was there to study, but I wasn't there. I, there was this ghost tour that they offered, and I kept missing it. <laughs> so I never went on the ghost tour. Um, but I did meet a man there who writes about Oxford ghosts and, uh, he told me some things and I would love to go back and like sort of there with that in mind, like that I'm there to kind of look for the ghosts and look for the stories and talk to people because it's such a, it's such a beautiful city. It's such an old city. Um, and God, there's gotta be just, it's gotta be teeming with ghosts, right? (laughs) And pretty interesting ones too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just crazy, the history over in England. I mean, we're talking about, you know, the ghosts here in the Victorian times and people doing that. But, I mean, in England, it far surpasses anything that's old in America. Absolutely. You walk down this one street, there's this tower standing there that was built in the 900s, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's old. We don't have anything like that. So just to look around and see those things around you, it just brings it to mind the, all of the of the history um, and the people that once lived there. You can kind of feel that presence because those those objects are there. You know, you can stand in them, um, so it becomes much easier to to feel the presence. Absolutely, and you know, speaking of you know, kind of old stuff in America, um, I didn't you um, get a chance to go check out Sleepy Hollow and Washington Irving's grave? Well, I. I have been there. I did a, um, mm-hmm. this, this goes way back. This was actually before I was doing anything uh, specifically about the paranormal. Um, I used to do travel writing for AAA. And um, mm-hmm. there was, I did do a piece on Sleepy Hollow um, and, and on that old cemetery. I walked around there and the old Dutch Reformed Church, you know, What's interesting about Sleepy Hollow is that at that time, the Halloween events that they were doing were actually pretty simple. They, it was just somebody reading the story at the church, and you know there was a little sort of walk through the cemetery. Um, 
uh, what's happening at Sleepy Hollow now. It's grown quite a lot. It's a huge production, and they have a lot of different events going on there. Um, and but at the heart of it, of course, is the uh, is the the stories that that Washington Irving told about the place, um, and uh, uh, and just the, the, the again the feeling of that place being near the river the way it is and um, being such a part of early American history. Um, yeah, it's it's a special location uh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, it's really cool just to see, like you said, the ghost stories that people used to share back in the day really live on um, and just them being changed through time. I mean, like you said, it was just a small reading when you went there, but now it's a much bigger production. And just to make it fun for the newer generations is really nice to see. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, become a hugely popular uh, location, similar to like uh, Salem, I think, in in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. um, where you have at its core, um, you know, the history and you have those experiences, um, and and you, in the case of Sleepy Hollow, you have the stories. But then, what what grows around that um, becomes a phenomenon unto itself. You know, um, you know, one of the things that I find doing ghost tours now, I you know, I do them at them out, but I, I've also started doing them at another Gilded Age mansion in the Berkshires called Ventford Hall, is that the, the experience of doing the ghost tour, sort of like at the interest that it tends to draw, the people coming to the place, um, it actually begins to create um, or, or expand upon the initial phenomenon. And the, the stories grow, the experiences grow, mm-hmm. you get this feeling that uh, the, whatever the presence is in the house is kind of like almost just expanding to, you know, to sort of in, uh, around all of this interest and activity. Um, and it does really kind of take on a life of its own. Absolutely. And with you saying you're doing tours at another Gilded Age mansion, have you seen kind of an uptick in people wanting to go there with it, like shows like HBO's The Gilded Age? And I believe there's another one that starts with a G that I can't think of right yeah. now. Um, but just yeah, the interest in that time period. Yeah, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's definitely been more of an interest in the Gilded Age in recent years. Um, I think there's more of an understanding of what that period of history was and who lived during that time. I think, like, when you live in the Berkshires, you're aware of it all the time because these houses are still there. These these big mm-hmm. mansions were being built during the Gilded Age and of course, all of them now have taken on new lives. They have one. One of them is Canyon Ranch, the health resort. You know, one of them um, is a is a restaurant. You know, another one, and then several of them are museums. So they they're no longer what they once were, but um, but they still stand there as very much a reminder of this of this time um, in Berkshire history um, when these houses were being built and these people were living there. And but you may not just by seeing them, you may not know what who these people were or what their lives were like. So you you watch a show like that and you get a much deeper sense of what, you know, what the lives were. Um, And that also, I think, grows the appreciation of what Edith Wharton was doing, because her writing is very much about Mm -hmm. that time period and those people. Um, And in fact, I'm still holding out for a biopic if anyone is out there producing movies. Um, I think that uh, a biopic about Edith Wharton, it, it's time for that because I think she, her life was absolutely fascinating and um, um, I think it would make for a great story um, in that same vein. 
Yeah, that's actually what kind of grew my interest in, you know, historical manners and just people of that time period was actually watching Apple TV's Dickinson. Um, uh-huh. These people just really have fascinating lives. So I think yes. the biopic of Edith Wharton or anyone would just be so interesting to see more about them because Emily Dickinson, although, you know, they took some creative liberties, it was, I was like looking up and researching me, is this true? Is this real? And it's, it's fascinating to read about all of it. Yeah. And that's not necessarily something that you, you get from reading their work. Um, you can kind mm-hmm. of like maybe, in, 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 you know, get some of that, but to actually see what their lives were like um, gives you just a greater understanding of what they were doing, what they were creating and the content, like the circumstances they were living in that, that led to the, their work. I mean, I think I, for Wharton, I definitely got a, I feel a much deeper appreciation of what she was doing by working at the Mount and uh, hearing more about her life and, um, and just feeling, like I said, the, the being in the place and, and just imagining what it would have been like to be her at that time. Um, it really helps you to appreciate the work a lot more. Yeah, and I remember I read on Twitter one time that I think Charles Dickens and Hans Christian Andersen had, like, well, Charles Dickens had, like, beef with Hans Christian Andersen. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's really crazy, too, like, how interconnected the lives were. You yeah. may not piece together, like, who was exactly live during what person's time period, but just how right. much these big authors were around each other. And how much they influenced one another. There's another location mm-hmm. at Berkshire called Arrowhead, which is, um, where Herman Melville lived and wrote uh, Moby Dick. And for a period of time, um, Nathaniel Hawthorne, who uh, wrote The Scarlet Letter and House of Seven Gables, um, also lived in the Berkshires. They were there at the same time. They became very good friends. Mm-hmm. And Hawthorne would go over to Melville's house. He had his own little room off the side of Melville's writing room. And he would kind of stay there with him and they would kind of just talk shop and in, inspire one another. And what a, mm-hmm. how cool would that have been to just sort of sit there and, and listen to that conversation, you know? Yeah. And I read online, I think Nathaniel Hawthorne was next door neighbors with a young Louisa May Alcott at one yeah, point. Yeah. So there's an, yeah, there's a, well, over in Con- in the Concord area, right? They, there's that sort of mm-hmm. transcendentalist circle of writers that Hawthorne was a part of um, in and out of. Uh, but yeah, all, the Alcotts were there too, and they all sort of knew each other. And um, yeah, so just to kind of like be, uh, you, just to kind of get an echo of that, you know, the the sort of the spirit that still lingers there. And that's uh, you know, we talk about ghosts. I mean, I think of ghosts in that way as well. I think of it as charged experiences uh, that you could still feel that. There's a lot of creative inspiration. A lot of artists are drawn to the Berkshires for the same reason. I think that it's kind of like an electrical current in the air that you can tap into. And I think sometimes we experience it like ghosts, and sometimes we experience it like, you know, the inspiration to write a, a, a book about a whale, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think they have a lot in common. Absolutely. It is just incredible, um, just all of it and the history, like you said. Um, I can't believe how fast the hour went by, though. Um, uh, so we'll yeah. have to have you back on in the future. But please <laughs> let the audience to. know where they can find you, any upcoming books or anything you'd like to mention. Sure. So the best thing to do, I would say, is to go to my website. It's robertoaks.net. There is a silent E in my last name, so it's O-A-K-E-S. 
So it's robertoaks.net. And from there, you can link out to all the different things. But I do have Ghosts of the Berkshires out, Ghosts, Ghostly Tales of the Berkshires, Young Readers version. Then there's Ghosts of Northwestern New Jersey. And I'm currently working on Ghosts of Northeastern New Jersey. And um, I do ghost tours. I have audiobooks available. So all of that you can find um, on my website at robertoaks.net. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on today, Robert. It's been great talking to you and getting to hear all of your Likewise. stories. Like I said, we'll have to have you back on soon. Um, but Would thank you to. again. Uh, thank you, Sophia. Wow, fantastic show. Thank you, Robert. Oh, thanks. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having a fantastic me. show today, Sophia. Totally. The hour flew by. Absolutely. Robert was such a great guest. Um, I want to thank you all for listening. The show definitely not be possible without all of you, and I will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. Yeah, and, uh, regarding Robert's work, too, as he mentioned, um, uh, uh, robertoaks.net, so it's a .net. So Robert with uh, Oaks with an E in Oaks. So robertoaks.net, Instagram at robertoakswriter. Uh, YouTube search Robert Oaks, Robert Oaks titles, Ghosts of the Berkshire, uh, ty- uh, The Ghostly Tales of the Berkshires, and uh, Ghosts of Northwestern New Jersey, available through Amazon.com. As he mentioned, Robert is currently writing Ghosts of Northeastern Berkshires, so definitely visit robertoaks.net to keep updated. Uh, next weekend, we have Texas Ghost Seekers team founder and clairaudient Alex Fountain. Uh, that's the 13th. Weird New Jersey contributor and paranormal investigator Jim Paris returns to the show on the 20th. And uh, we have other guests that are securing their uh, dates as we speak. So like the ghost host, Sophia Temporally online, paranormal.com Facebook fan page to learn of the guests real time. And a happy new year, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Debbie for Ezeon Ghost Adventures. You're listening to The Ghost Host with your host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. God bless you all. for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.